Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Coming up, political scientist Shannon Sanford on the provincial vote and now the federal campaign, which is underway. Global News reporter Joe Scarpelli on voter apathy and the news co-host Richard Cluche takes us behind the scenes with the Tories. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. good policy ideas. He yep. came up with some bonehead ideas at the same time. Like and, what? And, well, the problem that I had was this idea of having a, a provincial uh, police force. See, and that I is liked extraordinary. that. I thought that That's was an interesting idea. It's a bonehead idea. idea. I thought that was an interesting idea. Am I a, bone, idea am I a bonehead, You are Shannon? a bonehead. I've hit the big time. Shannon Samper, political scientist Shannon Samper, called me a bonehead. She took that back later. But she called me a bonehead. <laughs> On our uh, global news, television, and radio coverage last night, and Shannon Samford joins us on the phone right now. Shannon, first of all, let me say it was a pleasure working with you and Jenny Muckluck and, of course, our Julie uh, Buckingham last night. It was just a great time. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah, and and thanks for having fun with me. Uh, because listen, we could have got on and and we could have got on there and you know been super serious, but I think we all made some valid points and we talked about it. We had a bit of fun on the way, and and I think uh, that was important last night. Well, I think that uh, anytime you talk politics, it's really easy to be very serious and overly serious. But anytime you've taken any of my classes or any of my students will tell you, it's also fun to uh, be able to, uh, you know, look at it from different points of view and have a bit of fun at the same time. Yeah. Talk about um, the fact that uh, your students, a lot of them were running last night and many were behind the scenes helping the campaigns. Yeah, it's great to see. You know, that's one of the things about political science uh, students is uh, I always tell them, if you want to understand how it works, go and volunteer on a, on a campaign. It's number one, it'll get you open up doors for jobs afterwards. And so I have students that work in the uh, in the, uh, the progressive conservative camp, in the NDP camp, and in the liberal camp. And I saw all of them working behind the scenes. I was so proud of them last night. And then I had about six students that were running uh, for all three parties as well. Um, and again, really, really proud of them. None of them, of course, uh, won, but I was really proud to see them put their names forward and, and see democracy at work. Yeah. How do we ensure, you know, we're going to talk about voter apathy later. The voter turnout we, we figured was going to be low. It was. How it's do we not? You know what? I looked at the final numbers and it's only 3% lower than last time around. But was last, really but good, was last time good? of election yeah. Manitoba doing their job. Yeah. But was last time uh, good enough? For me, it wasn't good enough last time. So to be even lower this time you know what i mean like what what is what is the right number i don't know shannon you tell me you're the political scientist well it should be over 65 75 percent but you know anytime it's uh you're right. I, I, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely right. I've been chastised by hell. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. I just, I wasn't happy with that number. Now you're right. It wasn't far off, but it still isn't good enough. 
Yeah, that's true. You're right. It should be higher, and people should actually take this more seriously uh, and, and recognize it is a right and a responsibility, and it's like paying taxes. I mean, if 57% of the people only pay taxes or 54%, you know, how would we feel about that? And we should take this seriously. You're absolutely right. So you had a chance uh, to sleep on it. How are you feeling about uh, Manitoba today with a new Tory government. Uh, the NDP bounced back. The Liberals had a rough night. They lost official party status. No seat for the Greens. Talk about your general feeling about uh, Manitoba now after the vote. Well, I'm, I am disappointed. I, I hoped, I had hoped that we would see a little bit of a breakthrough there for uh, the Green Party. And so I'm sad that that didn't happen. I also had hoped that the Liberals would maintain their official party status and maybe build on that. Um, and, you know, clearly the Pallister government did a great job in play, paying, uh, playing offense, uh, or defense, pardon me, and they, you know, they maintained and, uh, they did very well in ensuring that they're going to be back in, in the legislature. Uh, they, they ran a flawless campaign, frankly, and, uh, and they won carte blanche to do whatever it is that they want to do over the next four years. Wab Canoe, I think, managed to, uh, make the threshold that, uh, he can probably survive a leadership a review, uh, but uh, whether or not he's going to want to stick around becomes the big question. The big question also is going to be uh, what happens uh, in the four years while he waits as kind of the, the government in waiting. And any kind of official opposition party, it's not what the government is going to do to them, but what the party itself does to itself. And uh, infighting is the biggest problem for any opposition party. And can Wab control himself? We already know he has a temper problem, okay? We've seen it in action. Can he control himself and keep, first of all, his caucus in, 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 under control and keep them from basically backstabbing him. And that's going to be the issue because Wob is not good on controlling, first of all, his temper and also being able to withstand the criticism from people when they're going after him. And do you think we might see the tough love Premier Brian Pallister relax a little bit now? He's got a second mandate. It's another strong mandate. Not as many seats as last time, but very close to that. Do you think now that he's got one under his belt, we may see a kinder, gentler uh, Brian Pallister uh, heading forward? I think that Mr. Pallister got taught kind of a very clear or got a very clear message that his communication with people of Winnipeg and Manitobans has not been very stellar. And he was very clear about that during the campaign. You know, we could have been better about the way we talked to you, about our plans for health care, about the way, the direction that we were going. And I think that he sort of has done a mea culpa in the last uh, four weeks about, you know, maybe we should have done it better. We should have communicated better. And I think maybe the next, uh, the next uh, four years, he might be, uh, the, the party itself might get better at communicating and telling us what they plan on doing. If they're going to make these big changes, fine, but let us know how you're going to do it and maybe do it a little bit more uh, strategically and a little and be more careful in the way you roll those changes out uh, the actual changes to uh, the emergency rooms and the hospitals they just didn't seem to have a plan at times and I think that was the biggest the biggest issue and now that the provincial election is over <laughs> here we go day one of a federal election campaign what are your oh, thoughts yeah. we've got the the SNC lab or lab scam has uh, you reared its ugly head again with this report in the Globe and Mail today. Give me your thoughts. 
Well, you know, this is going to be another one of those elections. Uh, Unlike this last election with the province, uh, the federal election, the polling numbers have been all over the place. And it's been very difficult to actually track uh, what's going on in terms of what the outcome is going to be. The provincial election, it was fairly clear, fairly solid. You know, the Tories were always fairly uh, fairly, uh, uh, steadily ahead. Here, the Liberals and the Conservatives have been duking it out for who's in control. So this one's going to be a tight race, and it's going to be dirty. And also, the social media campaign, the fake news that's been going out already, uh, uh, this is is going to be an ugly one, and it's going to be a fun one to watch. I'm I'm a lover of elections, as everybody knows. To me, this is like the Grey Cup, a Stanley Cup, (laughs) the World Series all combined. I'm, I'm happy to watch it, but, you know, people are tired. Parties are tired. The donors are tired. The, the campaign workers are tired. I think Manitobans will be difficult to get, in, get excited about this one for the next couple of weeks anyway. I had one listener a little while ago suggest that maybe the Liberals' poor showing in the provincial election may be a result of what's happening federally. Do you think some of the federal Liberal MPs in Winnipeg and around Winnipeg might be in trouble? No, I, that's a little bit uh, hard to understand, hard to hard to swallow, because uh, the Liberal Party in Manitoba doesn't necessarily uh, relate to the Liberal supporters federally. Right. You know, a lot of the Liberal Party federally are both either Tory or NDP supporters uh, provincially, so that doesn't necessarily track. Shannon, thanks a lot for doing this. I, again, I really enjoyed working with you last night. I hope we can do it again soon. I think it should be the Helen Shannon show. First, there you so go. You know. Yeah, you. whenever you've got something to say, Shannon, you let me know. I will. Thanks, Hal. Have a great day. And joining us now to talk about that, to talk about voter apathy, is Global News reporter Joe Scarpelli. Joe, first of all, great job last night, pal. You were looking good on television, sounding great on radio. Thank you, Hal. You too. The panel looked uh, looked fantastic last night. It was a lot of fun, yeah. So talk a bit about uh, voter apathy. I just had on Shannon Samper, who was on the panel with me last night, a political scientist, and she says, well, Hal, it, it was actually you know only a point or two uh, below last time. But as far as I'm concerned, last time wasn't good enough. Give me your thoughts as you work on this story for radio later on and for television tonight. Yeah, so uh, we're looking at some of the numbers for, from Elections Manitoba, and yeah, the unofficial numbers, the way uh, it stands now, uh, show that they're the, the voter turnout was the second lowest uh, in uh, in history, or at least in, uh, in the as as far back as the numbers uh, as uh, that we were provided with. Uh, so it uh, yeah, the, it's not looking that great. I was speaking to Shannon as well, um, and she uh, she had those same thoughts to share with me but uh, I was even speaking to some voters and uh, it's funny the ones who did vote and are upset with the voter turnout were were happy to, to speak but a lot of the, the people who didn't want to who, who didn't vote uh, did uh, right. chose to not be interviewed but yeah, uh, yeah a lot of um, a lot of people who did vote uh, are you know are are kind of upset because it's an important thing to do so they uh, you know the people think it should have been much higher yeah i've been looking at some of the numbers in history too and i think it was back in the early 70s 73 i think we got close to 80% voter turnout in the province of manitoba how do we get it back up there again are you looking at that at all today joe 
Well, uh, we've actually been uh, re- we're folk- we're looking at uh, the federal election right now, and if that if people are burned out, like if 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 it's you know the the voter turnout in Manitoba is going right. to stay low or even drop mm. when we get to the the federal election, and uh, it seems that uh, that we're on, we're on that path. Um, I know I, I was speaking to Shannon, who we were just mm. uh, talking about, who was yep. on your show, and she was saying that. Uh, you know, it's not only the voters, but even the volunteers, because mm-hmm. a lot of the volunteers who are volunteering uh, with, in the provincial campaign are the same ones that are going to be volunteering for the federal campaign. Right. They're the tired. Donors, they're, they're done. Gonna, yeah. 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 So it's not just the voters, even the, the donors as well. Yeah. They're, 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 uh, a lot of them are the same ones. I don't, I'm not surprised voter turnout was down compared to 2016. There, as I said last night, there was change in the air in 2016, right? People wanted some change. And so people tend to go out and vote when there's a reason. I feel like in this provincial election, there was a lot of people that were sort of, oh, yeah, I'm okay with you know what's going on for the most part, so I, I, won't, uh, I won't bother. But I wonder now... You know, if this story in the Globe today on LavScam, the latest in the SNC-Lavalin affair, I wonder if that might motivate some Canadians to get out and vote in this federal election. Sometimes it takes something like that, something that has people's interest to get them to go out and cast a ballot. That's exactly that's exactly right, and uh, what I've been hearing uh, quite a bit today. It's you know, voters. We we need something like that. We need something to to motivate us. That's what uh, you know. That's what the experts are saying. It's when there's a when when there's a big issue that you know people you know to to really capture everyone's attention and want to go out and make a change. And you know that can have that effect on someone that you know. Okay, maybe my vote matters. I, I'm uh, th- this is an issue that matters to me. I'm going to go out and vote but when uh when, when there's when we don't have that issue right people just feel like eh, i'm happy with the things are uh, the way things are now my vote doesn't really matter so yeah. i'm just gonna sit this one out yeah. but yeah you're absolutely right when there's mm. something big uh, a hot topic that's uh that's uh, uh that motivates people to get out yeah well an interesting a couple of listeners have weighed in with some interesting ideas somebody said hell you know in some parts of the world it's illegal not to vote right you have to vote and then somebody else said hal maybe we got to motivate people to vote maybe we got to offer air miles which you know i mean it seems sort of silly but we do have to i think figure some way out to get people interested in politics and and i understand politics and politicians can be boring i get it but it's about more than that it's about making decisions about the way we live in our city in our province and in our country yeah actually on that note i was speaking to to one uh, to one man uh today he uh he's not a canadian citizen yet he uh, but he, bef- before i even found this out he, he was saying you know i was watching the the election coverage i was uh he, he was really he was following along the last few weeks and last night he was glued to his tv and then i i sort of saw you you went out and voted he said no i can't i'm uh, not a canadian citizen yet yeah, right. uh then I said, "Oh, but you were you're interested in." He goes, "Well, of course I'm interested in." It. He goes, "I want to know what's what's happening in uh, in the province that I live." And then when I told him about the the voter turnout being so low, he was shocked. He goes, "He goes, I can't believe it." He goes, "I don't know why why people uh, don't uh, why don't people don't get out to vote because it's such a it's such a uh, you know a, a privilege to have that that opportunity to go out and have your say." Yeah, yeah, we had a big discussion about that the other day, and uh, it, it really is important. And and I think the more that people 
vote. Uh, you know, the more people will be interested in running. Uh, Jeff Courier made this uh, comment on his final thought at the end of his show. You know, uh, the more we vote, the more the politicians care about our vote. So it, it's important for many reasons. Joe, we will uh, be listening for your story as we go along here this afternoon on CGOB and, of course, tonight on Global News Television at 6 and 10. Joe, thanks a lot. Thanks, Al. All right, Joe Scarpelli. Richard Cluche, co-host of the news here on CJOB, four to seven weekdays here on C. By the way, great job on the desk last night with David Aiken and Lisa Dutton. Great right back job. at you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I would, Julie had like a real tough time like that. Really yeah. playing ringmaster to yes. the three of you. Yes. And it was entertaining. It was funny. It was insightful. Good. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Good. You sat down this morning and chatted with the political strategist, the man behind this conservative victory, and you found out some interesting stuff. David McLaughlin is a political strategist. Uh, back in the day, he worked for Brian Mulroney. He's run campaigns in New Brunswick. He ran the last campaign here in 2016, a change campaign that saw Brian Pallister win. And he helped design and ran this campaign as well in Manitoba. And uh, so this is a lot of kind of the inside on your vote for those people that voted. But campaigns are, you know, it's a war. And you have 57 ridings. You identify the ridings that you need to defend and the other writings that you need to kind of forward and try to take over. So if you look at it in those types of terms. Mm -hmm. So McLaughlin said to me and offered some insights on where the parties are at, uh, the NDP, why they did the way they did, the Liberals at three, the Greens nothing, and how they were able to repeat this majority government. And I have to tell you, back in 2016, huge victory. And you'd think with all the changes, you know, they would be reduced a lot more. But Mm -hmm. 36 seats is still a whopping majority in Manitoba. Yeah, one of the biggest in in provincial provincial history. And in this case, a lot of us were talking about health care. But was it really an issue, the changes at Concordia, the changes at Seven Oaks? A lot of us in the media tried to make it a big issue. The NDP tried to make it an issue, and they really structured their campaign on it. But McLaughlin says, not so much. In that sense, it very much shaped the dynamic uh, of, of, the, of the narrative of, of the campaign. The NDP said, this is what the only issue is. So that, of course, that's uh, what they went. What we found, in fact, when we did a lot of focus group research and, and, and testing beforehand, uh, for the groups and the, the demographics voters that we thought we had to persuade uh, uh, to, uh, to vote for us, we found that there was really not an appetite to kind of go back. That, in fact, although there was angst in some cases, there was some, uh, you know, I want to know that it's going to be better. I'd like to be feel a little bit better about it. There really wasn't a sense of let's just go back to where it was. And in that sense, what we thought and, and, and found as the campaign went on, as what the NDP did is they didn't offer anything that was clear clarity enough to people about we could make it better. It was very much a let's go back p- dynamic and, and uh, what they put on offer. And we felt very confident throughout that that wasn't going to bite enough to, uh, to make a material difference. Mm. And it didn't, according yeah. to them. Right. Uh, so health care, I still think, was one of the bigger issues here and probably helped pe- make people's minds up. 
But we spent a lot of time, and I thought that early on that crime and safety would be Me too. a big issue in yeah. this campaign. And McLaughlin agreed. But what they did was they tried to neutralize it and address it earlier, actually just before the official campaign started. I thought it was very important that we put a marker down uh, on on that uh, earlier. We knew it was a, as an issue. We saw it in our research, but clearly, it, you know, it, it is an issue. Uh, the government had uh, was getting a bit of heat for not having acted with enough alacrity, if you will, on, uh, on it. Um, and we wanted, in, I guess in strategic terms, sort of look at it that way, um, there's a public safety dimension to this. And we wanted to own that part of it because we felt very strongly uh, that... In fact, the other guys wouldn't, and they, in fact, proved to type. They played to type. You know, crime or public safety wasn't even mentioned in the NDP uh, platform. So we knew that that issue had both a treatment and a health dimension, but also had a public safety dimension. Who's mostly concerned about public safety issues? I mean, everybody is, obviously, to a degree, but women voters in Winnipeg. And that was a key demographic we were going after. So we were sending a signal early on, but it's also part of, okay, in the run-up to any ele- election, if you're in government, you try to deal with some issues that are still outstanding in some way in order then in the campaign proper to get it back on your issue, your ballot question. And for us, the ballot question was obviously trust and taxes. Uh, we knew we would own that. But also, I would say we created this narrative uh, successfully about forward-backward because we knew that the NDP brand was not something that people absolutely wanted to go back to. There was a, a sense, however controversial, and uh, you know, the government had been on things like healthcare, as you mentioned, Richard, there was a sense of unfinished business, and let's just keep going. And in the Decision Manitoba 2019 podcast that we're just posting now, he talks about the effectiveness of going negative against Wab Canoe. Mm. It worked perfectly yeah. for them. But can, before you get move on, can I just make a, 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 what, something I heard there? So that makes sense now why they said forward, why they stole the old NDP line forward, because it very clearly said it, it, it told voters exactly what they were wanting voters to believe and that they were about. And exactly on point. Yeah. And in that way, and I asked the question whether or not the numbers, and we still have to drill down on this, mm. they said that they were appealing to young women voters and whether or not that actually materialized in PC votes. Mm. Uh, and I don't have the data just yet yeah. uh, on that. But I think that is very interesting, the fact that just before the campaign came out and into the campaign, they talked about downtown safety and investing in $10 million in downtown safety for cameras and everything else, essentially going into the city's jurisdiction to say, yeah. we're going to help you out with this. Right. But that was all about mm. trying to neutralize and trying to own the safety aspect of that issue. Mm-hmm. And they felt that uh, it was certainly an issue with uh, with women and young women voters in uh, in Winnipeg in particular. So then we get to the bigger picture here. And um, we said last night that the NDP, yeah, they, they won. Well, they lost, but they won, right? Yeah. And uh, because they I went up... I didn't kind of understand that, the, the, the positive spin that was being put on that, because yes, they went up in seats, but... I don't know. It's not a win. No, it's not. And he saves, Wab Canoe saves his job for another day, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, everybody thinks that, you know, that if he didn't get 12 or 14, there might be a dump Wab movement. Mm. Well, interestingly enough, McLaughlin thinks, and I agree with him on this, is that uh, Wab Canoe is going to have a hard time growing beyond 18. Let me take a moment and explain. Yeah. So when you look at Winnipeg on a map, think of Winnipeg as a dartboard. 
and you're playing darts. Center of that board is NDP territory. That's Bullseye. in the core Bullseye. area. Yeah. Bullseye. And then as you go out on that board, suburban Winnipeg, that's all Tory blue. And even in Transcona, where the NDP won, they only won by 115 votes. But all mm. those suburbs now that go into the rural municipalities, that is Tory blue. That's their wall. Mm. And that's vote rich. And that's riding rich. And then the NDP was ex- able to expand a bit of its base into St. Vital, into St. James. So that bullseye has expanded a little bit. You got some liberals there, but they own suburban votes. And how do they do that? Through the education tax issue. Yeah. And they're setting that up for the campaigns to come. And then in rural Manitoba, the NDP weren't able at all to win in Dauphin or Swan River. Mm-hmm. Dauphin is a NDP kind of stronghold from way back. Yeah. And how does Wab Canoe connect with rural voters? They double down on health care on city of Winnipeg votes. And uh, as far as reaching out to the ag community in Brandon, they didn't spend any time there. So we talked about strategy and McLaughlin said it worked pretty well, perfectly. Mm. We put a blue wall around uh, uh, Winnipeg and then we would encroach in. I mean, obviously try to get to St. James, Fort Gary, uh, St. Uh, Vital, but those kind of suburban and, and uh, you know, bedroom communities and, uh, and that uh, those are staying very much in our, uh, in the conservative fold. So, what you really have when you start a campaign as a campaign manager, you're looking, okay, what's my path to victory and what's the other guy's path to victory? We could not find a path to victory for the NDP at any juncture in the campaign. So uh, then it was, okay, well, then how do we grow our majority and how do we retain that because we want to do certain uh, certain things? So they're, you know, waking up and, uh, you know, you win a few seats and feel good for a, uh, a little bit and that's fine, but they are no closer today, the day after, the morning after the election to a credible path to victory in in the next election or the election after that. And that's because, and I'll ask you the question, how does Wab Canoe, the leader of the NDP, connect to voters in Dauphin, in Swan River, in Brandon, and some of those other rural communities Mm -hmm. where traditionally if the NDP are going to win, they have to win those ridings yes. other than just cleaning up here in Winnipeg. Absolutely. Well, you you work at it and you put down some roots. And frankly, he uh, did not take advantage of this campaign to introduce himself to those voters to start to do something that would put down some roots. And our advertising and our approach, what we talked about, I think will actually uh, make it quite difficult uh, for him. So I'll leave it to the NDP to decide if he is the leader to uh, to take them forward. But there was no evidence to me of, of a campaign that was really trying to do much more than poach a few seats here and there, solidify a core vote, worried a bit about the obviously the liberals on the left. And I think voters saw that. You know, there's an old adage, if you audition for opposition leader, you win it. Well, he auditioned for opposition leader, but he, on a single issue, and therefore he didn't have a chance, and they did not take the opportunity to introduce and try to build some of those roots for some other you know, connections that I thought with voters. Hmm. That's interesting stuff. Now, you're geeking out hearing this. I'm geeking out, right? I mean, uh, but th- let me ask you a question that may or may not be related, and if it's not, you tell me it's not. Sure. Do you think that when people hear, voters hear this, and they hear about the strategy, I mean, obviously there's a strategy, but when they hear this, do you think that goes to the voter apathy that we see that they're the voters go, question. we're kind of being played a little bit here. It's, it's a game. Well, but 
this is a football game. Yes. No, this I know is it a is. hockey game. I know, yeah. And, and you've got to win. And campaigns are advertising campaigns. They're mm. wars. Yeah. Ground war, air wars, war. Mm. And was it Kim Campbell that said campaigns are never uh, a time to actually talk about issues? So I think it does sometimes contribute to voter apathy because mm. as one young voter told me, he said, well, you got to be with a gang. You're with this gang or that gang. I don't want to join a gang. I, I like to kind of pick this party's policy. I like them for that, but I don't necessarily like them for something else. Mm-hmm. But they got this gang mentality. Yeah. And I understand that. But maybe part of the voter apathy is because we do have a political party system that you're either for something or against something. You're either a new Democrat or a liberal voter. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what better system we have out there, yeah, Al. Yeah. But it, we do have a problem when we have just a little bit more than 50% of eligible voters showing up. Is it unusual for a guy like McLaughlin to sit down with you and say, here was our strategy, here's what we did, and it worked? Like, we certainly hear from some people that look at a campaign and say, here's what they did, here's what they tried to do. But for him to sit down with you, that's that's interesting, and I'm not so sure how often that happens. It's rare. Yeah. It's absolutely rare. And the full 25 minutes we're putting on our podcast, you can get there. We're just writing the story, finishing okay. the story now at cjob.com, globalnews.ca. And, uh, yeah, I, I have sources in all the political parties, but very few will actually come on and talk about kind mm-hmm. of the making of the sausage, yeah. if you will. Yeah, good. I love that. That's great. I'm going to listen to the whole thing. Richard Cloutier, of course, Richard and Julie Buckingham coming up after 4 o'clock on the news right after this show here on CJOB. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.